All right, good evening. Welcome to our evening worship service uh, here at Long Hill Baptist Church. I uh, couldn't think of a more appropriate uh, song to begin with tonight, at least uh, to play at the piano, uh, than Draw Me Nearer. The Song of Solomon uh, is it's an invitation uh, to draw closer to the Lord, uh, to be drawn closer to him by him. Uh, to draw closer to him is um, it's a wonderful privilege, a wonderful privilege. Take your Bible tonight, please, and turn to the Song of Solomon, chapter 2 tonight. The Song of Solomon, chapter 2. I'm going to go ahead and open us in prayer. Father, I do thank you, Lord, tonight for each one who's watching or listening. Lord, I pray tonight that you would draw us nearer. Lord, as only you can. Father, I pray tonight as we look into this love letter, Lord, literally a description of a relationship between a man and a woman, but clearly one picturing the relationship that you desire to have with us, with your people. Lord, what a wonderful encouragement tonight. The God of all things desires to have a close, personal, intimate relationship with each of us. Lord, what, a, what an encouraging truth. Father, I pray tonight that your people would be just that, encouraged. Lord, encourage us tonight in these thy words. Father, I love you. I pray that you'll work now uh, here in your word, and I pray that you'll use me now. Help me to handle your words well. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we see the, the celebration, the Shulamite celebration uh, of the king's love for her, uh, literally of Solomon's love for her, uh, but figuratively of the Lord's love for us. I want to give you a basic outline tonight. It'll be six C's. Uh, don't worry, they're not super long points. They're not six long points, but give you uh, six C's and, and a little bit more beyond that, time permitting. Uh, wonderful truth here tonight regarding God's desire to draw us into a relationship with him. Now, this is the third message in our series, verse by verse, through the, the Song of Solomon. And uh, if you've been listening, you know already that I've kind of laid out the case to view the book through... Uh, two lenses, one viewing it through the lens that this is a literal uh, love story, love letters between a literal man and a woman, Solomon and the Shulamite, uh, as she's called here in the book, and that um, it's instruction for husbands and wives regarding the uh, intimacy that God desires there to be in a marriage, within the marriage covenant. Uh, one of the things that should characterize a, a godly biblical uh, marriage. No doubt the book is uh, in part uh, just that. Uh, but second, um, and perhaps even more importantly, uh, as we've said, it is a picture of God's love for us and the love that he desires that we would exercise toward him. Uh, both lenses are important, uh, both, and we want to take care tonight, uh, as we have been, uh, to view the book and to, to continue viewing it through uh, both, both of these lenses. So I want to just jump in tonight. We're here uh, in uh, the Song of Solomon, chapter 2 now. Well, do me this favor. Go back to the end of chapter 1. 
uh, and verse 17. In error, I skipped over the final verse uh, of verse 17. Someone said, Pastor, you forgot the last verse. Uh, tell me about that verse. Uh, my bad. Forgive me, please. Uh, there at the end of chapter 1 uh, and verse 17, uh, the letter continues, the beams of our house are cedar and our rafters are, are fir. So uh, back there, uh, it, toward the end of chapter 1, you saw uh, the, the, the man and, and the woman, uh, the king and, and the Shulamite. Uh, there was discussion there about uh, his provision, uh, his promise to provide for her uh, and her wonderful appreciation of, of that provision. And uh, we talked about his promise to beautify her and her, uh, her thrill at that. And But when you get down to verse 17 here, you have a reference to a house. The beams of our house are cedar uh, and our rafters are fir. Now, I understand, you understand this is poetic language. Um, it, it probably, literally, refers to uh, his promise to provide a home for her, um, a house, uh, and a strong one, one that would not just be physically strong, uh, but spiritually strong, one where he would lead her spiritually uh, and provide a house that was strong in every way that it should be uh, for his wife who she loves. Uh, we're also mindful, of course, that Solomon is the man who was permitted to build the, the temple, right? Uh, his father, David, was not permitted because of his sin. You recall that. Uh, but David's son, Solomon, was permitted to build the temple. And so uh, there may be um, an allusion here to the temple, uh, not their literal home, but perhaps the house of God, which, of course, would be an important part of their spiritual life. The beams of our house are cedar uh, and our rafters are fir. And so there is probably here an allusion to his promise both to meet her practical physical needs with a physical home uh, and a strong one at that, but also to uh, provide for her spiritually. Once again, a home where uh, the Lord would be the center of the home uh, and uh, the woman's husband would be a strong spiritual leader in their home. Men, please don't forget, God has called you as husbands uh, to be strong spiritual leaders for your home, kind and loving leaders of both your wife and if God blesses you with children, your, your children as well. So I believe that's what's in view here uh, in verse 17. Now we come into chapter 2, sort of the, the second of the eight love letters that constitute uh, uh, this book. Now, we see a series of, um, I'm going to outline it with C's here. There's loving communication, uh, and then there's a series of things that I believe allude to their wedding. It seems like uh, sort of up to this point they've been courting. Perhaps there's been a betrothal. There's been mutual expressions uh, of love, and Brother Ray, wonderful expressions of love at that. There's been promises uh, made, uh, with an expectation of promises being kept, of course. Uh, and now as we come into this second letter, there's, there's more expression of love, but I believe we see here also allusions to a wedding, uh, a marriage covenant, if you will, a celebration of that covenant, uh, a consummation uh, of that covenant, a consummation of the promises uh, that have been made to each other, uh, and then mutual care, uh, mutual care for each other, uh, and continued enthusiasm for each other 
uh, beyond the betrothal time and the wedding, uh, in the immediate aftermath of the wedding, the, the love does not end there, not for this couple. Uh, and of course, the Lord's love does not ever end for us either. And so uh, those will kind of constitute our outline, the C's that come kind of with that outline tonight. Lord willing, uh, time permitting tonight, uh, we'll look at the sort of the, the, the final third of, of this letter also uh, would seem to allude to the rapture, the tribulation, and the anticipation of a close physical union with the Lord in the millennium as well. So there's some wonderful allusions to es eschatology, uh, future things, uh, promises to the Jews being fulfilled, uh, and of course, many promises and applications that we could make from the promises to the Jews to our own hope as well. So uh, look with me here now, with all of that said, uh, look with me here in chapter 2 and verse 1. I believe this is most likely his, uh, the king's, loving communication uh, to her. Uh, so number one, we see uh, the, uh, the king's loving communication to his bride. Uh, he communicates with great love uh, to his bride. He says, I am the rose of Sharon uh, and the lily of the valleys uh, and the lily among the thorns. Uh, so is my love among the daughters. Uh, his, his love for her is a beautiful, uh, precious, wondrous thing. Uh, it's, it's a great love. Amongst all who love, uh, it's a love of loves. This is the song of songs, uh, and his love for her is a love of loves. Uh, of course, tonight we, we recognize that there's no greater love than the love the Lord has for us. Uh, the bridegroom has for we, his bride. There's no greater love than that. Uh, and I believe that idea, that concept is being pictured here. He's the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Uh, as the lily of, among the thorns, so is my love uh, among the daughters. Uh, you're familiar, you've heard this phrase before, the Rose of Sharon. Uh, Sharon is on the coastal plains on the southwestern uh, coasts of Israel. Uh, a rose, of course, is a beautiful thing. A, a lily of the valleys. A lily is a beautiful thing. Uh, we took a ride through uh, Twin Brooks Park after church today, and there's, there's a beautiful lily pond there. And, uh, and that pond is, is just filled with lily pads and, and beautiful white lilies. It's, it's very beautiful. Uh, and so uh, his, uh, his love for her is pictured as this wonderful, precious love uh, the Lord loved us so much that he sent us his only begotten son uh, to die in our place. What a profound love. You are loved that much tonight, uh, no matter how great a sinner you are, no matter how uh, horrible your past sins are, no matter uh, what you've done today, no matter what you'll do tomorrow, uh, we have a, a, a king of kings uh, who has a, a tremendous, unthinkable, endless love for us. Here the Lord is called the Rose of Sharon. Uh, one man says the clear application uh, in the greater picture is to that of the Lord. He is indescribable in his beauty. The day is coming soon when we shall see him uh, face to face and behold the glory of his majesty. Uh, and know the love of our king uh, as one who is with us face to face. Can you even imagine what it will be like to come into the presence of the 
king of kings uh, and the Lord of lords, the one who loved and still loves and will continue to love you no matter what, uh, enough that he went to the cross and died for you. There's a wonderful hymn, and I don't think it's in our hymnal. I don't think uh, that, that we sing it. I don't think that we have sung it, I mean to say. Uh, but it's, it's Jesus, Rose of Sharon. It's a wonderful hymn. I want to just share uh, some of the lyrics. Uh, it goes like this. Jesus, Rose of Sharon, bloom within my heart. The hymn is a prayer. Beauties of thy truth and holiness impart, that wherever I go, my life may shed abroad fragrance of the knowledge of the love of God. The chorus or the refrain is Jesus, Rose of Sharon, bloom in radiance and in love within my heart. The second verse continues, uh, Jesus, rose of Sharon, sweeter far to me than the fairest flowers of earth could ever be. Fill my life completely, adding more each day of thy divine, of thy grace divine and purity, I pray. And it goes on from there, a wonderful uh, poetic uh, expression uh, of worship of Jesus, the Rose of Sharon, our wonderful, beautiful, majestic bridegroom, the one who loves us uh, more than, certainly more than we deserve, uh, and, and with just a wonderful, perfect, perfect love. We understand tonight, of course, the Lord has uh, not just exclaimed his love for us, uh, in letters uh, which are collected together as his word, the, the Bible, the scriptures, but he's demonstrated that to us. We understand tonight, uh, Brother Ray, it's one thing to say something. It's another thing to show something. You know, I could say that I love you uh, as my brother or sister in Christ, uh, and that would be a good thing. That would never be a bad thing, but it would be a far greater thing to show that to you, to demonstrate my love through uh, some loving action. Of course, Christ has done that uh, most perfectly, most clearly at the cross. First uh, John 4 and verse 10 says, Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, unlovable people that we are, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Titus 3 and verse 4 says, But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior uh, toward man appeared. Uh, God our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, appeared uh, uh, thanks to the love, the love of, of the Father. Romans 5 and verse 8, you know this verse, God commendeth his love toward us, his what? His love toward us, in, while, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9, in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son. I'm a son of God, you're a son of God, but there's only one begotten, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, God sent his only begotten son into the world that we, so that we might live through him. What a great love the Lord has for us. How unworthy are we as recipients of his love, his grace, 
and his mercy. Lord, help us to be grateful. Lord, help us to be grateful for your grace. Father, help us to uh, avail ourselves of that fruit of the Spirit, which is love, to be yielded to you, Lord, uh, with a desire to be um, filled with the Spirit that you might bring forth love in our hearts, in our lives, to express uh, yes to you, but to brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Lord, give us a heart to love you right back and to demonstrate that same love uh, to others in our, in our life. This is a wonderful love, a wonderful love. Uh, see her response to him in verse uh, 3 here, uh, her, her response to him in verse 3, uh, the Bible says here, uh, As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow, that would be a place of protection, uh, with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. What a wonderfully poetic expression uh, of a wonderful love. Uh, he expressed his love to her, and she uh, wonderfully poetically expresses her love back to him. She views him as the apple tree among the trees of the wood. Uh, think about an apple tree. It has uh, multiple purposes. It's, it's able to provide the protection of shade. Uh, it's able to provide the provision of food. Uh, it would be able to provide, as it's just wood, uh, warmth uh, in, in a season of coldness. Uh, she views him as this wonderful thing that is able to provide so much for her, uh, whatever her needs are. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm able tonight to stand and, and stand here and say, uh, the Lord is exactly that for me. Uh, he's able to provide for me all the things, everything that I need, that I truly need, uh, whatever that is. Uh, he's promised in Matthew 6 uh, to meet the basic practical needs of, of a believer, those that have sought Christ and his righteousness first, those who have come to Christ uh, having repented of sin and placing their faith in him, you have a promise from God to meet your basic needs. And I was talking to one man about that promise recently, and he said, you know, Pastor, so much of what we view as a basic need really isn't at all. He said, I have a beautiful home, and you know, I know it's so much more than people have around the world. What if I only had a little hut somewhere in another part of the world? Would I view that as Lord having provided for my basic needs? Well, I hope we would. I hope we would. And uh, I hope that thought also helps us to appreciate how much blessing, how much the Lord has blessed us uh, beyond what truly is our basic needs. Uh, consider uh, our clothing and the food that we eat and, and, and how uh, excellent it is. And you may say, well, you know, I don't have the best uh, food. I don't have the best clothing. But, but consider what you have compared to what the vast majority of people living in the world have. We have been blessed so abundantly, so graciously beyond that which we deserve. Listen, that's an expression. Uh, that is a wonderful expression 
vision, not only of God's promise and his, his willingness and ability to keep his promises, but it's a wonderful expression of God's love for us. Just as the Shulamite viewed her husband, or her about-to-be husband, uh, uh, as the one who would provide for her, the Lord not only has promised to provide for us, he, he, has, he has fulfilled his promise as a wonderful expression of his love for us. Uh, and that's wonderful indeed. Boy, Lord, teach us to be grateful teach us to be content, uh, teach us to pray as many prayers of gratitude uh, as, as we bring requests to you. Stop to think about that for a moment. Is our, is our prayer life unbalanced? Remember in the uh, model prayer that Christ gave us, only a small sliver of that prayer alludes to praying for our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, the, the, the rest of that prayer, the balance of that prayer, is not about our needs at all. It's, it's really more about the Lord and, uh, and, and worshiping him. And I realize there's other things that we're commanded to pray for in there other than our needs, but uh, it begins and ends. The model prayer is bookended, if you will, uh, with worship and, and expressions of praise and gratitude, thankfulness. Lord, help us to be people who prayer uh, wonderfully uh, thankful prayers filled with gratitude and praise for your provision. Boy, that will change things if you will take care to do just that. Well, so we, we see here uh, their loving communication, really his loving communication toward her uh, and her loving communication toward him. Uh, husbands and wives, I encourage you uh, to take a moment each day and be sure there's been some loving communication between the two of you, not just the uh, communication regarding needs and necessities and things that have to get done, but, but real expressions of care and concern uh, and love. Uh, fill your marriage with uh, wonderful expressions of love day in and day out. You will not be sorry. You will not be sorry. So we see the loving communication. Next we see, I believe here, an allusion to the marriage covenant, the wedding. Uh, a wedding is indeed a marriage covenant. It is a promise. Uh, it is a commitment that uh, is intended to be kept uh, until death may separate uh, a husband and a wife. See here in verse 4, uh, she says, he brought me to the banqueting house. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner was over, uh, and his banner over me uh, was love. Uh, he brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner uh, over me was love. Uh, no doubt you've been to a wedding uh, ceremony, perhaps at a church, uh, and then you may have gone somewhere else uh, for a, a reception. I rather think that's what's in view here. Uh, whether, <laughs> I'm not sure, uh, in the uh, wedding ceremony um, probably would have been performed at, at a home uh, in um, Solomon's time. In any event, uh, I believe we have pictured here a, uh, a celebration of a wedding, a celebration of the wedding. Uh, he brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me uh, was love. Uh, let me stop there and say this for, for one quick moment. So this is the marriage covenant. Uh, a, a, a godly marriage between a Christian man uh, and a Christian woman, it's a wonderful thing. 
It's God's design, not for everyone to enter into that covenant, but for most of us, we understand, uh, it's God's design that one man and one woman, one Christian man and one Christian woman would come together in marriage, enter into that mutual covenant, uh, promises to each other to stay together, to be there uh, until death do us part. That's God's design uh, for marriage. Of course, the world today has come with all sorts of corruptions uh, of what God has designed. All the way back to Genesis, uh, we see God's design for marriage. One man and one woman, not one man and another man, not, not uh, one woman and another woman, uh, not, not a, a series of marriages that have been separated from a choice to violate or break that covenant, but one marriage that would continue uh, up until the death of, of one uh, party to that covenant. I understand, and, and you do too, that uh, if a spouse dies, uh, the New Testament prohibits uh, remarriage. But in the absence of that, uh, the Bible plainly calls uh, divorce and, and remarriage adultery. And so uh, we cannot lose sight of, of these truths. Marriage, uh, it's a wonderful thing. It's a covenant that a husband and a wife enter into. You understand, of course, that God has entered into various covenants with man uh, throughout Bible history. We see God uh, forming a covenant with uh, Abraham, and we see God forming a covenant, covenant with uh, Noah. We see God forming a covenant with David, various covenants, agreements that God enters into uh, with men. God is not a God who violates his covenants. He is not a God who breaks a covenant. He's a God who cuts covenant, but that idea has the idea of joining together two parties, bringing them together in mutual agreement with the attention, intention that the agreement be honored uh, throughout time. Uh, God is a God who enters into covenants with men, and God is, God is not a God. God is not a God who violates or breaks covenants. Neither is he a God that desires men uh, ever uh, to violate the covenants that they enter into. Marriage, most certainly being the most sacred of those covenants that God has uh, described for us. And so we need to treat the marriage covenant uh, as, a, as a very precious, uh, and very valuable thing, uh, not to be entered into lightly, uh, not to be entered into uh, in an unbalanced way, uh, with one uh, being unequally yoked, uh, but entered into with the understanding that this is a sacred thing that pictures, that pictures the blessed relationship between the Lord, the bridegroom, and his people, uh, the bride. Please, please realize that when we honor the marriage covenant that we enter into, we, we picture the covenant between the Lord and his people. When we violate that covenant, when we uh, come out of that agreement, we violate the picture, the wonderful poetry and imagery uh, that is being pictured, the relationship between God and his people. Well, you understand uh, the idea here. Number three, number three, we see a, a celebration here. 
so we've seen a, a, a wedding or a marriage covenant in verse 4. Uh, number 3, a, a wedding celebration, a celebration uh, of that covenant. I may have said already that uh, a, a wedding between two believers, a man and a woman, uh, who enter into it with the right intentions, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, it is a reason for celebration, and I believe you see an allusion here uh, to just that, to a celebration. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, uh, stay be with uh, flagons. Uh, that word could be translated different ways, but one way would be cakes. Uh, picture a wedding cake. <laughs> the word uh, has the idea and certainly can be translated uh, cakes. Stay me with flagons or cakes. Uh, comfort me with apples. Uh, for I am sick of love. Now, <laughs> we have to be careful how we read the last part of this verse. Uh, neither he nor she is, is saying, the, the minute they've been married, oh, they're just sick of love and, and they want out. No, that's not it at all. Uh, there, there's an allusion here to the wedding and, and to the celebration and um, to um, feeling overwhelmed by it all, feeling overwhelmed by the love that, that we have been the recipients of. Maybe you remember your wedding day, and um, I certainly remember the day that uh, I married my wife. Um, as she came down the aisle toward me, I felt overwhelmed. I felt overwhelmed uh, by her love. That's what's being pictured here. It's not uh, sick of love. It's it's this uh, sense of just being uh, almost overcome with gratitude for this great love that has been poured out on uh, us, people who are so undeserving uh, of this love. Uh, she says, stay me with flagons, cakes. I think it's quite literally an allusion to a, uh, a, a cake that would be eaten at the wedding celebration. Uh, comfort me with apples, uh, provide for me. Uh, for I am sick or overcome uh, of love. This picture is the celebration, the celebration, and what a, what a worthy occasion uh, for celebration. Uh, number four, the, the fourth C, uh, the consummation of the marriage, uh, the physical consummation of the marriage, uh, I believe is, is, is pictured here. Uh, I'll say rather explicitly, perhaps, and I don't mean that in an unrighteous or unholy way, but uh, I, I think we, we clearly in these verses have a progression from uh, a, a marriage to a celebration, a marriage supper, if you will, uh, to the consummation, the physical consummation, uh, the coming together physically, uh, the leaving and now the cleaving, uh, the physical joining together uh, of a man and a wife in marriage. And she describes it this way in verse 6, his left hand is under my head and his right hand doth embrace me. And, um, you know, that, that's a picture of a wonderfully uh, God-ordained intimacy between not just any man and any woman, but between a man and a woman who have entered into the marriage covenant, uh, who have come making a promise to be before God, to be faithful to one another, uh, to engage in intimacy with one another, and only uh, it, with each other, uh, recognizing and honoring the boundaries uh, of, the, of the marriage covenant. 
This is a wonderful picture of the union and intimacy that Christ desires to have with each of his people. Here is the bridegroom entering into uh, a wonderfully intimate relationship with, with uh, the bride. And um, you need to understand tonight, and I don't know if you've thought about this before or not, but uh, the, the consummation and the physical aspect of a marriage it is ordained by God, certainly, and, and for purposes, including reproduction, we understand that, but also uh, simply as a, an expression of intimacy, one that pictures uh, the oneness to which a man and wife have been called, uh, the unity, the oneness uh, unity, uh, and the unity that God desires to have in, in this relationship with us, an intimacy uh, and a unity of mind, a, a yieldedness to the Lord, uh, uh, a, a yielding of our thoughts to his thoughts, uh, a giving of ourselves to him as a bride gives herself to her husband. Uh, so much uh, of the wonder of our relationship with the Lord is pictured here, uh, and truly it is wonderful. It is truly uh, wonderful. So we have the the marriage covenant, the ceremony, the covenant, the celebration, uh, the consummation. And then in verse 7, I think you, you see her care for him. You, you see her care for him. Uh, verse 7 says this, she, I believe it's her speaking. She says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, uh, by the rose, that these will be bucks or, or deer, if you will, uh, and by the hinds, does, uh, so does and bucks, rose and hinds, same, same idea here, uh, of the fields, that ye stir, that ye stir not up, nor awake, my love, uh, till he pleases. Uh, this, is, this is a wife who's uh, watching over her husband and, and desiring that he not be woken up. Uh, you know, they've had this wonderful marriage. They've entered into that covenant. There's been a, a, all the things that come with marriage now, and, and, and she's anticipating his watch care for her, but, but also understanding that a wife is provided to, or, or called to care for, uh, to participate in caring for her husband. Uh, and, and so I believe that's exactly what, don't wake him up. <laughs> don't, uh, she, she, she's looking out for him and uh, providing this, this watch care uh, for him. And of, of course, we know all the way back to Genesis uh, that God has uh, called one man and one woman together uh, and called the wife to be a helper, a helpmeet, the Bible word, a helper. Uh, for the husband. And so I believe that's what you see pictured here, uh, her help, her watch care, her care uh, for him. And uh, of course, of, of course, we understand the, the Lord is in the business of caring for us. And, and, and boy, do we need to be grateful for that. Uh, number six tonight, um, I've, I've mentioned this already. Uh, I'll give you, um, so the C will be continued. Uh, their continued enthusiasm for one another. It continued beyond the wedding and the immediate aftermath of the wedding. Uh, there wasn't just a, you know, a puppy love that led to a marriage that was uh, not thought through carefully, uh, not entered into unwisely. Uh, there was a, a, a mutual choice 
By the way, love is a choice always. They mutually chose to love one another. They mutually chose to enter into the marriage covenant uh, to come together as a husband and wife in a, a mutual intimacy, the consummation, a mutual care for each other. But there's a continued love and care and all of the things that go together in a marriage that uh, is, a, is a biblical marriage uh, there's, there's a mutual, continued enthusiasm for one another that continues well beyond uh, the wedding day. Now listen, I understand the, the cares of life, um, they catch up with us sometimes and overwhelm us if we're not careful to be bringing those things to the Lord um, constantly. Uh, we're, we're, um, we struggle with various trials, um, even as married people. You know that's true if you're someone who's been married for a time. Um, there's, there's many things that can distract a husband and a wife from each other. Uh, and yet we ought to view our spouse as a refuge in a time of difficulty. Uh, not Certainly not exactly the same way as the Lord, but... Uh, God gives spouses to each other as a refuge in times of difficulty. And as we come to each other as a refuge, we, we picture the Lord's desire that we come to him as our ultimate refuge. Uh, but there's a, there's a design that we continue to be there for each other throughout the marriage. And that there not only be that sort of practical uh, mechanism in our marriage, but that there be a great enthusiasm that um, just uh, all of that is is steeped in day in and day out. And I realize that's that's not something maybe that continues. That enthusiasm may not continue uh, naturally or easily day in and day out. It's it's a choice that we make to continue bringing an enthusiasm to our relationship and. You know, if, if you would say, you know, I don't, I don't know if I have that or if I can have that, maybe just stop and pray. Lord, you know, I, I recognize I don't have the same enthusiasm for my spouse that I used to, but God, I can see in this, in this book, in this part of your word that you desire, it is your design and desire that a husband and wife continue to have a great enthusiasm, a great passion for each other well beyond the wedding, uh, till death do us part. Uh, Lord, would you give us that? Would you rekindle an enthusiasm uh, in, our, in our relationship? Not that it's gonna be a puppy love kind of thing, but a more mature, godly enthusiasm for one another and a, a mature intimacy in our relationship. I want you to see uh, there's, there's two ways that we see this continued enthusiasm expressed here. Um, we see it here uh, first. Apparently, he's been away for a time. Uh, he had to travel perhaps for some business. Uh, you can ask my wife about that. In, in my previous life before I was a pastor, there was much travel, and uh, it was always much better to come home than it was to depart. It was always better to be home. And uh, here, this, this wife, the Shulamite, she, she celebrates his return home. Uh, I think it's a return home after a trip, but maybe it's just his return home at the end of the day. Uh, she says, see verse 8. She says, the voice of my beloved. She hears him coming 
uh, and she celebrates hearing his voice. The voice of my beloved. He cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. It sounds like he has a great enthusiasm to get home to her, and she has a great enthusiasm to receive him home to her. There's a, there's a mutual enthusiasm here uh, to always be coming back together again. Yes, we have our uh, duties that we perform throughout the day, and sometimes the duties that may separate us for more than a day, but the goal, the desire, the thing we desire more than anything else is uh, to come together again. And so you see here, there's this mutual longing and great joy at coming back together again. And you know, I, I would say uh, through the second lens that we're viewing this scripture, there, uh, there should always be um, an enthusiasm to, to be in a close uh, close, uh, a close walk with the Lord. Now, if, if you've strayed away from the Lord, if you've strayed away from him, boy, there, there ought to be a desire to come back, uh, to come back. There ought to be a desire and an enthusiasm to come back together into a closer walk with him. Pastor, I don't know how to do that. I'm not sure. Talk to me about that or, or another brother or sister in Christ, but pray uh, Lord, I've strayed. I've allowed myself to stray away from you. Would you, uh, would you show me the way back? Would you draw me back into a close relationship with you and, and give me a real enthusiasm uh, for that? Uh, by the way, some have suggested that this uh, pictures uh, one who is eagerly anticipating the coming of Christ in the rapture. And I think that's right. Uh, I think that's right. Uh, just as a husband and wife should desire uh, the return uh, of the husband to the wife, uh, God's people should desire the return of the Lord, uh, the, the first half of his return in the rapture, if you will. Uh, there ought to be a great desire for the rapture, uh, not a love of the world uh, that causes us to just uh, you know, look forward to another day here in this world, but a, a great desire for the return of Christ uh, in the rapture, to be caught up in the, in, in the air, in the clouds, together with my Savior, my King of Kings. Uh, there ought to be that kind of enthusiasm in the heart of the believer for the return of Christ. And uh, no doubt, no doubt, that is being pictured here as well. If you would say tonight, Pastor, boy, I don't know. Maybe just permit me to ask you, do you have, a, are you greatly anticipating, are you looking forward, watching, and desiring the return of Christ tonight? Uh, you should be. <laughs> we are taught throughout Scripture to do just that. Uh, if you could not honestly say yes, I would encourage you, stop and pray even now. Uh, Lord, please give me, um, help me to fall out of love with the world, because that's really the problem, the underlying spiritual problem. Help me to fall out of the things of the world, and Lord, help me to fall in love with you uh, in a way that's pictured in this book, uh, you know, such a deep love, a passionate love. Lord, help me to fall out of love with the world and into a passionate love uh, with you, and, and Lord, give me a desire to be with you the, the way that uh, these two, <laughs> husband and wife, uh, bridegroom and bride, desire to be together again. Give me that same desire, Lord, to be with you uh, in the rapture. Um, if you don't have that, pray that, pray that. 
you know tonight the Lord will be delighted to hear that prayer and to answer that prayer. So we see her enthusiasm for him and his enthusiasm to be with her continues beyond the, the initiation of the relationship. You see also a great appreciation. She has this wonderful appreciation uh, for the, the bridegroom. Uh, the bride has a wonderful appreciation uh, for the bridegroom. See verse 9. She says, My beloved is like a roe, a buck, a strong deer, uh, or a young heart, uh, a male deer or a ram. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself uh, through the lattice. Um, well, the second part maybe is a little more challenging. Uh, but the first part, the first part, I think, is, is fairly easy uh, to deal with. She has a great appreciation uh, for who he is and, and what he's like. He's strong. Uh, my beloved is like a roe. That's a buck. Or a young, uh, strong, healthy deer or ram. Uh, he's, uh, she's just considering him and desiring to be with him and and reflecting on who he is and, and what he's like. Yes, he has a great love, and she's reflecting now on his great strength uh, and just glorying and appreciating uh, the bridegroom. Boy, what a picture of uh, how we should be reflecting on our Lord and Savior uh, as we anticipate his return. Uh, uh, my beloved, my, my savior, what a strong savior I have. Uh, he's my creator. Uh, he was willing and, uh, to come and, and die for me and endure the cross and, uh, and, and what died and, and, and rose in his strength and the strength of the Father and the strength of the Holy Spirit. I understand that. But in his strength as well. And what, boy, what he's accomplished. He's, he's my creator and he's my savior. Uh, a, a, a row, a buck, a young heart, the strong deer. Uh, this pictures... Uh, a bride's love and enthusiasm and appreciation of her husband's attributes, but it clearly points to um, the call for believers to reflect upon our Savior, King of kings and Lord of lords, who he is and what he's like, and a, a call implied to take time to appreciate him for who he is and what he's like. Um, husbands and wives, you, you ought to take a moment even tonight uh, to reflect on all of the wonderful attributes of your spouse. Uh, and I realize that no spouse is perfect. You are not perfect either. You understand that. I am not perfect and neither are you. Only the Lord is. But take time tonight to reflect on... Um, those things that you've always loved and appreciated about your spouse. Maybe take a moment and thank the Lord for those things. Take a moment and thank the Lord for those things. And then stop for a moment and say, yep, I know this, this book, this love letter is also encouraging me to take a moment and stop and consider um, what is it that I love and appreciate about my Lord. There's so many things, so many things that have been revealed in Scripture and proven in our own personal walk with him. And take a moment and say, Lord, thank you. 
boy, thank you. Thank you for your love and thank you for your faithfulness to me. Help me to be faithful to you. Thank you for the fact that you desired and you have drawn me into an ever closer, more intimate relationship with you. Lord, thank you. Help me to reciprocate that desire to be in a loving, intimate walk with you. Lord, give me the grace that I'll need to do that. But just take time to stop and to reflect and to thank the Lord for all he is to you. I think we'll stop there tonight. We'll, Lord willing, come back next Sunday night and look at these um, final verses that pretty clearly allude to the rapture and the tribulation and the, the privilege we'll have to be in the physical presence, uh, to be physically united, reunited with our Savior uh, in the millennium, his thousand-year reign here upon the earth. And we'll, we'll come back and look at that, Lord willing, next Sunday night. But let's do stop here for now and pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you tonight for uh, this amazing letter. Um, Father, I thank you. Yes, there's instruction here for husbands and wives. And Lord, I pray that you help us to take it up in the most practical ways. I've suggested certain things tonight that you've laid upon my heart, but maybe there's other applications that you have pressed upon the hearts of our people. And Lord, I pray that we'll just yield to you and, and, and take up whatever the application is. Lord, help us to demonstrate love to our spouses. It's a love that will bring honor and glory to you. Father, help us to remember when we do that, when we invest in our walk with our spouse, when we demonstrate love, we are, in fact, picturing, picturing the relationship that we have with you. Lord, that elevates our marriages to something far greater than uh, the way the world views a marriage, just a, a, a legal thing or a matter of convenience. No, our, our marriages are a picture of our relationship with you. Lord, help us to get a hold of that, to get a hold of that. Our marriages need to be viewed as a precious thing. Uh, they need to be cared for and invested in and, and not treated lightly. Lord, help us to have marriages that uh, wonderfully picture the love and intimacy that we enjoy with you. Father, I pray tonight if our marriages are not as healthy as they could be, Lord, that you would, you would show us that, convict us of that, and give us a heart to confess that. And Lord, to take up instruction from you in your word and to seek your grace to invest in our relationship with our spouse. Lord, so that our marriage could be a, a better a more perfect picture of that perfect relationship that you desire with us. Lord, I know none of us will be perfect until we're home with you, but also know that we, just as we can grow in our walk with you, we can grow marriages that are more perfect pictures of that bride and bridegroom relationship that you desire to have with us. Father, show us where we need to make changes. 
Show us, Lord, if we need to learn to be more loving, more gentle, more faithful. Lord, whatever it is, Convict us and give us your grace to correct that which needs to be corrected. Lord, similarly, I pray tonight that you convict us about our relationship with you, you being our ultimate bridegroom. Lord, if, if we've not been faithful the way we should be, Lord, if, if we're not demonstrating love to you the way we should be, Lord, if we're not investing ourselves in our relationship with you the way we should be, give us a heart to confess that. Lord, give us grace. Give us grace to make the changes that we need to make. Father, I love you tonight. And Lord, I thank you tonight for this wonderful relationship that you've called us to. Lord, I thank you tonight that when relationships this side of heaven, earthly relationships are strained, or if we feel lonely, Lord, we have this amazing privilege to be in this intimate relationship with you. We're never alone. We're never without love. We're never without tenderness. There is the possibility of a close, intimate walk with you. Lord, where we cannot find that love or intimacy or tenderness anywhere else, we can always find it with you. Lord, help us to be grateful for that tonight. And help us take advantage of the great privilege we have to be in this amazing relationship. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for watching or, or listening. I encourage you uh, also uh, to plan to be here uh, on Wednesday night. This morning, I think I said in error, our Wednesday night service is at 6 o'clock. You know that's an error. Uh, our Wednesday night services are at 7 o'clock uh, here at the church. I want to really encourage you once again to be here on Wednesday nights. I realize you can... Uh, be at home and, and watch or listen to the message. Uh, and that's a good thing, but I don't want you to forget the Lord's desire is for us to come together as a family, to not forsake that. You may say, well, Pastor, I'm not forsaking it. I'm here on Sunday. And I understand that. I, I appreciate that. But um, just as a husband and wife should desire to be together as much as possible, uh, a family should have that same desire. As a church family, um, we need to take advantage of the, the fewer opportunities that we have right now to do that. So uh, I encourage you, yes, to be here Sunday morning at 11 uh, and, and plan. Pray and say, God, if, if you'll make it possible for me to come together with my church family on Wednesday night at 7, not 6, but rather 7, Lord, I'll be there. I'll be there. I recognize that I need my family, and my family needs me, and uh, there's someone in my church that needs my encouragement, and uh, I, can't, I can't provide that unless I'm there. Not the same way, at least. So I encourage you to make a decision, even tonight, uh, to uh, say, Lord, I'll, I'll be in church Wednesday night, Sunday morning. I'll invest that part of my week in my church family and in my walk with the Lord. 
and uh, I'll, I'll carve that out for you, Lord, and for my brothers and sisters in Christ, and pray, Lord, um, help me to, to honor that desire uh, according to your word. I'm going to pray one last time we'll be dismissed. Father, I pray that uh, each one will make that decision, uh, Lord, to carve out time Sunday morning and Wednesday night, not just to be home watching, but if it's physically possible, Lord, to come together, to assemble together as a church family, uh, Lord, not just to hear the teaching and preaching, we understand that's, that's critically important, but also, uh, also, Lord, to be there to be a loving encouragement to one another. Lord, help us also to bear in mind that uh, we only come into your special presence in that place where we are assembled together. Uh, Lord, so uh, help me to bear that in mind. My, I, I can worship you at home, but there's a special privilege of, of worshiping you in your special presence as we assemble together. Lord, help us all. Help us all to make that a priority, to carve out that time if we possibly can. Lord, to give you that time and ask you to make that possible. Lord, thank you for our church. I am so grateful for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, I pray for each of them tonight. I pray you bless them and continue to protect them. Uh, Father, help us to be a loving encouragement to each other throughout the week and, and now especially this coming Wednesday night. Lord, we do love you and thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.